down to that there is a way of life and then there is a way of death. There's no gray middle area. The ways that we walk either promote life or they promote destruction. We love to live in gray areas, but oftentimes the Bible is very, very black and white. Sure, the death that it talks about oftentimes is not immediate, but it still leads to death ultimately. Without an intervention from Jesus, our flesh rules. We have a desire to please ourselves, which ultimately leads to destruction. But God designed humanity for blessing. Sin wasn't meant to be a part of our lives. As Pastor Daniel explains today, God's intention for the law was to give us a map that would lead us away from sin. We'll start in the beginning here in Genesis. That will prove how God designed us all for blessing. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Walk This Way. So the year was 1975. Happened to be the year that I was born. Also happened to be the year that Pastor Bill felt led of the Lord to start Crossroads Community Church when this introduction hit the airwaves, and proved to be an instant hit. Thanks, guys. You guys ever heard of that song before? Remember it? Now, what's interesting is for me, as I said, I was born, that came out on Aerosmith's um, Toys in the Attic album. It was the number two single off that. Now, I don't remember that, but what I do remember was actually in 1985-86, as part of the MTV generation, when I remember watching a music video with, you see that riff going on, and there's two studios side by side, and in one studio is Aerosmith, and in the other studio was one of the very first hip-hop groups called Run DMC. And so what happened was, is that Walk This Way, the, the marriage of Aerosmith and Run DMC, that actually went up to number five on the Billboard charts in 1986. And it was the beginning of a style of music that is very, very popular still to this day called rap Rock, So groups like Korn, Linkin Park, all sorts of groups, even a group like Eminem, who's a hip-hop artist. The hip-hop of today has a lot of these elements of this rap-rock hybrid. Now, why do I tell you this? Well, because what was the name of that song? Walk This Way. Now, I'm not going to give any credence to Aerosmith's content of their lyrics. Don't Google them. I don't know that I would. But the idea is, is the chorus is a repetition of walk this way, talk this way. Walk this way, talk this way. And if you think about your own life, 
you realize that you choose to walk a certain path, a certain way. There's a content to the things that we choose to discuss. And I think that this is very, very important. Because as we break open this new series in the Psalms called The Top Ten, when you open up in your Bibles to Psalm number one, that is the topic of the very first Psalm. Psalm number one is all about that we are called to walk this way. There is a way. And it's interesting that Psalm one is, is, it's the perfect opening to the entire Psalter or the five books of Psalms because its concern is for God, for godly living, for the hope of those who are godly that will realize in the promise of God's covenant. And like most psalms, this is what you would call a wisdom psalm, wisdom psalms always end up boiling down to that there is a way of life and then there is a way of death. There's no gray middle area. The ways that we walk either promote life or they promote destruction. We love to live in gray areas, but oftentimes the Bible is very, very black and white. Sure, the death that it talks about oftentimes is not immediate, but it still leads to death ultimately. Jesus said that there are, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, that there are two gates, there are two paths, a wide and a narrow one, an easy and a difficult way. There are two outcomes, death and life. There are two types of fruit, good and bad. And Psalm 1 is absolutely concerned with the way that we walk. And you'll notice as I read you this psalm that you're going to hear way and walk over and over again. So I'm going to read it to you and then we're going to spend some time breaking it apart. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm number one, six verses inspired by the Holy Spirit for our learning, for our admonition. Notice the very first four words, blessed is the man. This teaches us that God designed humanity for blessing. God designed humanity for blessing. Now, note it says, blessed is the man. The idea of blessed means, oh, how happy, how joyful. It evokes joy, the idea of gratitude. Blessedness comes from living in fellowship with God. Blessedness is not deserved. Blessedness is a gift. It's a gift. 
God designed humanity for blessing. Now, for those of you who are maybe younger or, or for those of you who have a, an issue when you see things like in the Bible, blessed is the man, they say, oh, that's very patriarchal and only men can be blessed. That's not what it means. Up until this generation where we're very self-conscious over gender issues, when you say blessed is the man, it means mankind. That's what it means. So please forget, it wasn't written um, given all the proclivities of our generation. When it says blessed is the man, it doesn't mean only men. It means humanity. That's what it means. So you can just write humanity or mankind, person kind, humankind, humanishness, whatever your thing is. But that's what it means. So it says, we were blessed as the man. Blessed is humanity. God created humanity for blessings. Now, how do I know this? How do I know this? Well, the best way to understand God's intention for humanity is to go back and look at what God was thinking when he created humanity. So keep your finger right there in Psalm number one. Turn to your left all the way to the very first book of the Bible. Genesis. I'm going to pick up at the end of chapter one. And what I want to do, I want to scan for you. I'm not going to read it all. From Genesis 1.26 to Genesis 2.25. I'm going to scan this, just kind of picking things out and explaining to you. Now, if you want a more thorough treatment, I want to encourage you to go to our website, go under our our midweek service archives. I did a number of messages in our origin series through the Bible in the book of Genesis. I want you to go back and look at it because I give it a, a much more extensive treatment. But I just want to notice you, help you to see a few things here that prove that God created humanity for blessing. Notice in Genesis 1, in verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Notice, God created humanity in his image and likeness, according to verse 26. Notice it said, and God blessed them. God bestowed blessings upon them. And notice what he says to them in verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue and have dominion over it. So God blessed humanity with fruitfulness. And God blessed humanity by giving us dominion. Now, that doesn't mean that we should just trash everything. That's bad dominion. That's bad stewardship. But he gave us the opportunity to steward his creation on his behalf. We steward our own lives on his behalf. Look at verse 29 of Genesis 1. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. And every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. God bless us with food. And all the people said, Amen. Look at verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Notice that. God pronounced all of creation, all that God made, including humanity, he pronounced it good. That's part of the blessing. It's all good because God made it good. Notice In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, speaking of the seventh day of creation, the very first thing God has humanity do is rest. 
God blessed mankind with Sabbath rest, the ability to cease from our labors. If you look into the New Testament, that Sabbath rest is in Jesus. Jesus is our rest. Jesus gives us the ceasing of work from our labors to enter into God's presence. So God blessed humanity with rest. Notice Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. The Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed out of the ground. The Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Notice, God blessed humanity with a paradise to live in. Trees that are beautiful to the sight and good for food. Rivers. We live in a beautiful part of the country. Beautiful. I mean, we've had, even had some sun this week. I mean, what a novel concept. And as you drive, you see Mount Hood. You see Mount St. Helens. It's awesome. God gave us a paradise to live in called the earth. In verses 10 to 14, God blessed mankind with rivers and fountainheads. When you go hiking, you like to find a river or a creek to hike near, don't you? There's something beautiful about that sound of the running water, the vegetation that grows around it. It's a blessing that God has given us. In verse 15, look at what it says. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. Wow. God blessed humanity with vocation, with work to do. Now, I know it's Sunday, and tomorrow morning your alarms are going to go off, and you're going to say, ah, it's Monday. But maybe we should say, Lord, thank you for a Monday, because God created vocation as a blessing to humanity. He created it as a blessing. He didn't say, listen, I'm going to put you in the garden, and we want you to do nothing, and I'm going to give you this little branch that looks like a remote control so you can click, 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 click all day long. As much fun as that may be from time to time, God gave us vocation as a blessing. Not only that, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Notice that God blessed mankind with liberty. See, it's interesting. Most times when people talk about God, they say, oh, God's such a lame He's so lame. I mean, you can't do this. You can't do that. Notice in verses 16 and 17, God gives them liberty and gives them one prohibition. Just don't eat of that tree. Everything else you can have. And, and isn't that true? God's not lame. God's given us great liberty, but he has given us some prohibitions. Why? Because God loves us enough that we don't hurt ourselves. That's real love. Real love says, look, you can do that, but that's going to hurt you. So I want you to stay away from that. But God blessed humanity with liberty. And as People living in America in the 21st century, we're blessed by the liberty that we have. It's a great thing. It's a great thing that we get to do these things that we desire to do. Notice in verses 18 to 24, he goes on. He says, it's not good that man be alone. So what does he do? He creates Eve. Why? Because God blessed humanity with companionship, with a spouse with a community of people to have relationship with. We call a family of faith, a community of believers, we call that a church. 
people to grow with. Now, listen, I realize that church is kind of funky. Why? Because we're all kind of funky. And when you get a lot of funky people together, what happens? Funk happens. But there's something gloriously messy about people together. It's beautiful and kind of strange. Weird things happen. Some of us can be really weird at times. And me at the, at the top of that list. But something beautiful happens when we grow in community, in relationship. And you're not going to get that on Facebook as much as I'm a fan of it. You're not going to get that on Twitter as much as I'm a fan of it. Something happens when you grow with people, when you relate with them, when you get to know them, when they see you in your good times and your bad times. So don't neglect the assembling of ourselves together. God blessed us with community and companionship. It's a blessing. And not only that, I'm going to end here in this section, verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Notice that. God blessed humanity with innocence. They had no clothes on, but they were unashamed. Now, you know the story that in Genesis chapter 3, with the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, things get a little messy, don't they? Because all these things that God created for good end up becoming warped. But don't forget that, that God created your life and my life for blessing. For blessing. It's where it starts. Blessed is the man. Now go back to Psalm 1. Because we're going to make it past the first four words, I promise. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Brothers and sisters, we need to walk away from the progressiveness of sin. We need to walk away from the progressiveness of sin. Now, I want to show you where I get this from. Because I'm asking you, because we're talking about walk this way. We need to walk away from the progressiveness of sin. Notice how these verbs move. Who walks in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Walk, stand, sit. Do you see that? This is how sin. Now, what is sin? We always talk about it. It means missing the mark. It's living in rebellion against God. It begins by walking in the ways. At some point, we get comfortable and we stand, and then we make our home there. Sin is progressive. How do I know? Because the very first time you do something that you know you ought not to do, if you believe in Jesus, you are convicted. You feel horrible about it. But then when you return to it a second time, you still feel bad, but not as bad. Third time, you feel bad, but not as bad. And at some point, you don't feel bad at all. It's just who you are, right? Anybody who is honest with themselves, who've done these type of things, that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. It begins and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is not who I'm supposed to be. But then you do it a little more and a little more. And sin, like leprosy, that is a type of sin in the Bible, it begins to deaden our nerves. We begin sensitive to it, and we end up desensitized to what it is. And we all know what this experience is because we all struggle with sin. So we have to walk away from the progressiveness of sin. We have to be 
open and sensitive to let the Holy Spirit, when he convicts us, to run away like Joseph, to like Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lusts. Why? Because when you're running for your life, you are not taking a leisurely jog. You run with all your might as fast as you can for as long as you can. Man, we have to walk away from the progressiveness of sin. There is a progression there. It begins by walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, think about what it's saying. It begins with taking the advice of. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe that the Bible tells us everything about everything. The Bible is not going to tell you how to make a great shrimp scampi. Okay? So the Bible doesn't tell us everything about everything, but it tells us everything that we need to know about the most important things. So I'm not saying, because you could read that, well, I should never take counsel from someone who is ungodly. What I'm saying is you need to learn, but you need to bounce everything back off of the Scripture. Like, let me give you an example. When I was in Marin County, Marin County is one of the wealthiest counties in the country. The average median income where I moved up here from was uh, two and a half times the national average. So people are extraordinarily wealthy there. And so it's very common, you'll be talking to someone, I remember talking to a guy in the church, and he decided he needed to raise his financial intelligence. So he started reading, and he came to me, and he was complaining about his money troubles. He'd never had them before. And I said, well, what's changed? He said, well, I was reading in this book, and it says that the key to, to financial well-being is to pay yourself first. So I took my tithe, and I started to save my tithe. When he used to give, he never had money troubles. Now that he's taking it and saving it for himself, he's having money troubles. He's like, I don't get it. I'm like, well, listen, what does the Bible say about your finances? Who, who should you pay first? The Lord. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes the world's advice lines up with Scripture, or the Scripture doesn't speak either way. But when the world's advice, when ungodly advice goes against Scripture, you need to forsake the world's advice and you need to grab hold of God's advice. So be careful who you take advice from. Be careful who you allow to speak into your life, who you act on without reflection. It's important. Because as you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, at some point, you walk long enough, you're going to want to hang out there. You're going to want to stand in the path of sinners, in the way of sinners. Now, don't get me wrong. We do not want to be isolationists. We do not want to be sectarian. Why? Because God has given us the treasure and earthen vessels. And if we are not out amongst people sharing our faith, then the gospel doesn't get anywhere. And God saved us to usher us into a community that would reproduce itself in the lives of other people. But the key is, is that we do not want to start getting ourselves comfortable in areas that we ought not to be comfortable So as you walk, at some point you stand, and then ultimately it comes to its fulfillment in sitting in the seat of the scornful. Some of your Bibles say scoffers. And in a lot of ways, that is the culmination of all of this because a scoffer, it really comes down to adopting the most fatal attitudes of those who do not believe in Christ. Jesus is 
Now, here's Pastor Daniel with some important information about his book entitled, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. Thanks, Josh. Writing my second book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives, was a huge milestone for me. It personally helped me to clarify some of the meaning behind the mess of this life. I talk about acknowledging the mess, finding resolution, pursuing God, and finally about the love that Jesus has for us. I'm so excited about this book, and I want to make sure that every Jesus is Real radio listener has a copy. I'm going to pass things over to Josh. He's going to tell you how to get your very own copy of Honestly. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Honestly, Getting Real about Jesus and our messy lives is an insightful, simple-to-read book that helps make sense of the messiness we call life. We know Jesus never promised that our lives would be pain-free, but He did promise that He would always be there with us while in the midst of the mess. We want to make sure and get a copy of Honestly into your hands. Throughout the month of February, we are offering Daniel's book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives, to anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $20 or more. Your support helps us continue this important ministry and even expand. It's pretty simple. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. There you can give your gift of $20 or more. And again, we'll send you your very own copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives as a thank you for your support. Again, to partner with us, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner to get your copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we want to thank you for joining us today and may God bless you. Oh,